You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. He was a great man, and God help us that we would be the same. There are some Christians that, you know, put on their Christian face and put on their Christian garments when they come to church on Sunday, and they use the language, praise the Lord, hallelujah, you know, when they're amongst their brothers and sisters in Christ, and I understand that, but how do you live your life apart from the church and apart from your brothers and sisters in Christ? Can you legitimately and honestly say that your life is the same. Do you ever feel the need to harbor bitterness because of an injustice that has been done to you? The world would certainly say you have every right to be bitter, but you've been called to something higher than that. You've been called to live free from bitterness. Jesus died on the cross to free you from living with hurt and disappointment. Today in his message, Pastor Mike uses the life of Joseph to point us to letting go of our bitterness. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 37 as he continues his message, Envy and Jealousy. When my kids were very young, you know, they might have dreamt dreams of one day playing in the Super Bowl. And so how do you respond to that? Do you encourage your child? Yeah, you do. You encourage them, right? About achieving something. You suggest certain ways that they might be able to apply themselves to that end. You know, little Johnny wants to become an astronaut or whatever. So you encourage him. You support him in that, right? You don't hate the child for the dream that they dreamt, no matter how self-centered or bizarre it might be in the expression of it, right? You don't put the kid down. You don't crush their dreams, right? You know, forget that. You're never going to become an astronaut. You just don't have the IQ for it. You don't say anything like that, right? But you see, these brothers were hating what God might do, and thus they were hating God. Notice in verse 20, go back to verse 20 again. It says, come therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit, and we shall say some wild beast that devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams, the dreamer, right? And so this put them against God, because in this, in their actions, their hearts were revealed, and their malice towards Joseph. You know, one of my favorite commentators and writers, Donald Gray Barnhouse, wrote, commenting on this particular issue, he said how unfortunate 
that many are not willing to take the place which God has assigned them in this world. When a man is covetous or envious, he is saying, God, I am not satisfied. You don't give me what I want. Such a man would dethrone God and reveal the events and possessions of life so that little he would be exalted. And I absolutely agree with that statement. So anyway, that's the first point this morning that I want to draw your attention to. But there's a progression to all of this. Let's consider now the next step, which becomes our second point this morning in the progression of things, the way they've unfolded. Envy or jealousy leads to hatred. Now, briefly, we've already touched on this. But think about it. Hatred is inevitable when jealousy has taken root in our hearts. Notice in verses 4, 5, and 8, go back to our text for a moment. In verses 4, 5, and 8, we are told that Joseph's brothers hated him three times. Now, why was that? Well, these dreams indicated that God had elected Joseph to certain earthly favors. And they knew that he was different. He was an exceptional human being, no question about it. He had this wonderful relationship with God. And so the other brothers knew that he was different. And their own sinfulness was revealed because Joseph shined. Have you ever been in that situation before? Maybe before you were a Christian or you were around Christians, before you were influenced by another Christian. How many of you came to know Christ through the influence or the testimony of another Christian? And, uh, but you know what? When you used to live in your B.C. days, you know, before Christ, when you lived in darkness, you didn't want to be exposed to the light because your evil deeds were in darkness. You were continuing to live in darkness. So you avoided like the plague other Christian people because it was sort of like, you know, they would enter into your dark life and turn on the bright light and your sin would be exposed. You know, people don't want to hear, that is, if they're non-believers, that they're living their lives in such a way that's unpleasing unto God. What do you mean? I'm a basically good person. I pay my bills. I put food on the table for my children. I pay their college tuition, you know. But they don't want to hear anything about sin. They don't want to hear about anything that doesn't line up with God's standards in, in his word. Why is that? Because you're shining a bright light in the midst of darkness. And so it was with his brothers. They knew he was different, and their own sinfulness was revealed because Joseph shined so brightly. He was chosen by God for future prominence. As we will see as we continue this mini-series within our series here in the book of Genesis. Let's call it the Joseph series, if you will. It's sort of like a mini-series within our series in the book of, of Genesis. Now, this shouldn't surprise any of us. If we are committed to live the kind of a life that God wants us to live, you know, to shine our light ever so brightly, you're going to come up against some people who are antagonistic towards your Christianity. It reminds me of a discussion that Jesus had with his disciples, and it's recorded for us in John's Gospel in chapter 15 and verses 18 and 19. If the world hates you, now he's, he's addressing his disciples, Okay, he's taking them aside, he's talking to them. He's warning them what to expect. 
if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Verse 19. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Hey, man, you know, let's go party. Yeah, I'm into that. Let's go. I love this guy, man. He's a, you know, let's go. He's the guy that you want to hang with to go party, right? You, the love. If you have those, you know, if you love the things of the world, right? People are going to be drawn to you. The people of the world are going to be drawn to you. Yet because you're not of the world, and folks, I want to remind you, if you take in the name of Christ, you're not of this present world. Remember that. We're to live differently than everyone else. We are held to a higher standard, and that standard is the Word of God. And I don't care what you believe or what other people have told you. This is the way that we gauge the way that we are to live our lives. This is God's last word to man, right here. So I don't know what other churches are teaching or what other people are telling you or what you've learned in school or even in your own homes, within your family. This is the standard by which every person who has taken the name of Christ are to live their lives, and nothing short of that. Yet, because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And so, folks, it just serves up a warning. This is just a, you know, a quick reality check, if you will. We should expect this sort of a thing. And so, again... This is exactly what's going on between Joseph and his brothers. These verses there in John contain the same two principles. What are they? Hatred for being different and chosen. And people who are unbelievers, who are within your sphere of influence and circle of, of employment, members of your family who aren't believers, they're going to take exception to the way that you've chosen to live. Gang, it's the same today as it was in Joseph's generation. But by the grace of God, we're different. Different in conduct. Different in obedience to God and our love for God. But you can be sure people aren't going to like that. You make that kind of a commitment. People around you who are not living like you the way that you're living, they're not going to like that. Anyway, we need to take care of this to make sure that the root of bitterness, envy, does not develop into hatred within our lives. We must live like Joseph. You know, talk about him becoming bitter. They actually did throw him in the pit. And uh, they didn't kill him. What did they do? You know how the story goes. They sold him into slavery. There was a bunch of Ishmaelites that were heading down to Egypt to buy corn. And so they actually put him on the the slave block, and sold him as a slave to these Ishmaelites. And they sent him down to Egypt along with them in their caravan. Could you imagine? 17 years old. But could you imagine at 17 years old, being torn away from your family, your loved ones, being sold into slavery, facing an unsure future? You don't know what's going to... You've just been absolutely betrayed by your brothers who are supposed to love you. Members of your immediate, can you imagine the feelings and the emotions that Joseph was going through at this point? So if anyone had a right to become bitter or resentful, it would have been Joseph. But again, there's a total absence of that. And so we need to take care of this to make sure that the root of bitterness and envy does not develop into hatred within our lives. No matter what our experience, we must live like Joseph. 
just trusting in God to care for us in spite of life's injustices. And listen, just because of the fact that you're a Christian, don't think that you're not going to experience any injustice in your life. Well, the next steps for these brothers was murder. As we've already discovered there in verse 20, they're going to throw him into the pit. Let us now kill him, cast him into the pit. So here's the next step. Envy, hatred, and then murder. So envy and jealous, hatred can, notice I said can, it doesn't always, but can lead to murder. The truth of the matter is you may be murdering that person in your mind or in your heart, which is just as sinful as the very act. And I know that it has different ramifications and such, but as far as God is concerned, remember, God is more concerned about the intent of our hearts and the inward man even more than our outward actions. And so our third and last point this morning, envy, jealousy, hatred can lead to murder. Because the brothers are now moving in that direction. They're moving towards killing their brother. Now I want to draw your attention to as a cross-reference here at this point to a portion of scripture in the book of Galatians in chapter 5. It would serve you well to turn there, so I'm going to wait a minute. Do me a favor. Just I'm going to let you do some work here. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Galatians in chapter 5 in verses 19 through 26. And I'll wait for you. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 26. And what we have here is a contrasting list. And I want to run through it quickly. What you have is, on one hand, the fruit of the Spirit versus the acts of the sinful nature. Let me say that again. It's a contrasting list. What you have here is the fruit of the Spirit versus the acts of the sinful nature. Okay? Everybody there with me? Okay, so let's take a look at that. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, all of this has to do with sexual sin. Then he goes on in verse 20, idolatry, which can take on many different forms. Sorcery, that word sorcery is also the Greek word pharmakia, which can be actually translated into our English word, the use of drugs. So this would include any mind-altering kind of a substance. This would also include marijuana, okay, or any other drug. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, there's the word, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those, and make no mistake about this, take a look at this list, if these are things that are being named among you right now in the way that you live your life, who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now don't be upset with me. I'm just the errand boy, okay? This is what God's Word says. Give you something to think about, you know? And it doesn't matter, you know, well, when I stand before God, you know, 
I'm going to claim to be a member of Harvest Christian Fellowship. I attended Harvest Christian Fellowship. That ain't going to hold water, folks. And I'm not going to be standing there with you when you stand before God. You're going to be standing there all alone. And you're going to have to give an account, right? You better be standing there with Jesus. Standing in his righteousness. Or else you don't want to, you don't want to stand before that white throne of Jesus Christ. That's depicted for us in the book of Revelation. Now in contrast... We have the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. These are the garments, if you will, of the new man. These are the garments that we are to put on. Gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We put those things down. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see that there? So just something to think about. I would encourage you guys sometime during the week, and I think it would serve you well, serve me well, to just go back over that list and and, uh, take an inventory, see if there's anything that we need to work on. This is not a condemning message. God didn't draw you here this morning to condemn you, however you came to be with us this morning, just to encourage you. He wants your life to be, you know, if any of these things are named within your life, it prohibits God from doing the work that he wants to do and blessing you. You'd be a fool not to work on getting rid of some of those things if necessary. God wants to bless you beyond your wildest imagination and dreams. But the only person that stands in the way of that taking place is you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God except you, you see. God will only go as far as not to interfere with your capacity to choose. As a free moral agent, he'll only go that far. You have to choose. So listen, attempted murder was the fruit of bitterness in these brothers, according to verse 20. Now, you may be thinking, this can only happen to reprobates. People who have no understanding or avoid altogether of the knowledge of God. That that would include people outside the church. This would never ever happen or take place within the church. But unfortunately, envy and hatred lead into all kinds of vicious actions can be found within the church as well. Let me give you an example of this. In the book of Philippians in chapter 1. Paul is writing this epistle to the church at Philippi while he's a prisoner in Rome. And therefore, it's known as one of Paul's prison epistles. And he's being incarcerated. He's facing an unsure future. He doesn't know what tomorrow holds in store for him. And in Philippians chapter 1 and verses 15 and 17, here's the testimony. These were other people who were claimed to be Christians, who were members of certain churches, who were making Paul's life even more difficult than it had already become. How crazy is that? And strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. You see, there were Christians in Rome who preached the gospel in a way designed to cause trouble for Paul as a prisoner. Listen, Paul was a great preacher. 
He was a pillar in the early church. And for this reason, he was resented. Could you imagine that? They had these little, you know, party groups within the church. There were some, remember, in the book of Acts, there were some who were claiming to be of, of Paul and others uh, claiming to be of Apollos and others claiming to be of Peter and then uh, Christ alone. And there was a party spirit within some of the churches early on, the first century churches. And there was strife and there was division and there were contentions and there were backbitings and all of these jealousy, vanity. Those things were present within the early church. So Paul was a great preacher, a pillar in the early church. And for this reason, he was resented. There was, people were jealous of him, they envied him, and ultimately, they hated him. He should have been honored. He should have been cared for. Instead, he was denounced. And there were efforts that were made to make his situation even more difficult. And ultimately, according to tradition, Paul was executed. How did it all happen? Well, at least in part, envy and strife. Listen, envy and strife can cause the church to become so ineffective. We need what Joseph exhibited in his day. Actually, we need what Jesus exhibited while he was here upon the earth. In Philippians chapter 2, in verses 3 and 4, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. In other words, don't envy. Whatever God is doing in that person's life over here and blessing them, praise the Lord for it. We're so thankful for what God is doing. Maybe it's not happening in my life. Maybe I wish it was happening in my life, but it's not. Let each of you look out not only for his own life and interests, but also for the interests of others. Some really good exhortation and instruction. Listen, gang, let me close this thing out by simply saying, we live in a sinful world. Duh. Like I got to tell you that, right? Envy is all too real. And envy leads to hatred and hatred to all kinds of evil acts, even against our brothers and sisters in Christ within the church. It is a root of bitterness, which when it has flowered, defiles many. It must be plucked out. But here's the answer, and praise God there is an answer, and that is Christ. Jesus is the cure for envy. His mind and his people producing the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, check that list out again sometime during the week, right? His mind and his people producing the fruit of the Spirit rather than the acts of sinful natures. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house Where I long to be oh, my When you look back at your life, what moments stand out to you? There are probably some pretty great ones, getting married, having kids, graduations, and celebrations. But I imagine there are also a few you'd rather not remember. The ones that come back to run through your head at night as you try to fall asleep. When we take a look at the stories of some of the Genesis characters, 
We see it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly. These people you meet made their fair share of mistakes, but that didn't disqualify them from being used by God. God built a nation from human beings who were far from perfect. And guess what? He wants to use you too. God has a plan for your life, and you can faithfully follow Him in the way He has made for you. You can be forgiven of your sins and start fresh, remembering the faithfulness of God since the beginning of time. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today in the Word with Pastor Mike Venizio and in my Father's house. This program is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. Check us out online at harvestnyc.org. There you'll find service times and our easy-to-find location. We have easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. Come by and see us. If you aren't close enough to drop by, you can find links to our online streaming and more on our website, harvestnyc.org. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thank you for joining us today. We're out of time for now, but come back and feast on the Word with us next time in My Father's House. Oh, my heart, not be troubled.